This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this latest episode, I get to talk to Christina June, who's the author of such books as No Place Like Here, Everywhere You Want to Be, and It Started With Goodbye. And all of her books so far have been loosely inspired on fairy tales, uh, so we get to talk about uh, how that came to be, uh, the books that really inspired her growing up, and how she got started writing. So listen in. So, Christina, what book hooked you? Um, am I allowed to have more than one answer? Absolutely. <laughs> Um, okay, so growing up, um, you know, like in Kidlet, we talk a lot about the first time you see yourself on the page. Um, and for me, that was Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by Judy Bloom, which I know is a lot of people's answers. Um, but I really felt like she captured who I was um, when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. Um, that whole, like, being unsure about your body and feeling uncomfortable um, in your friends, and they're all at different stages. Um, and then also, I love how she combined sort of that budding romantic piece, you know, um, you know, having a crush on a boy for the first time, and m- maybe being a little disappointed by that. And then also, something that I try and thread in my writing a lot as well is your place in your family. Um, I love how Judy Bloom put Margaret in this big, difficult situation of figuring out her face. And I love how Margaret tried on a lot of things, as I believe a lot of middle schoolers do, um, and teens as well, uh, trying to figure out what was right for her. So a lot of those pieces really hit home for me when I read it for the first time. And I felt like I wasn't alone, like somebody else understood as well. Um, So yeah, that was really, really important and formative for me. Another one that was informative for me, sort of, I call it my gateway into modern YA, was reading The Hunger Games. Um, My daughter was, well, the first time I heard of it, I was pregnant with my daughter. I was super pregnant um, in July of 2010, and we had gone to a 4th of July party. And the host's teen daughter was sitting at the table reading it. And I, of course, being the bookworm that I am, asked her about it, and she gave me uh, a little synopsis, and I immediately went out the next day and bought my own copy and read it cover to cover. Um, and, you know, and then a few days later, my daughter was born, <laughs> um, and there was not a whole lot of reading going away, but those characters really stuck with me. And so when I was on maternity leave, I, <clears throat> um, the third book had come out, and so I bought the second and third, and just devoured them. I remember sitting with my daughter all swaddled in my lap and trying to get her to keep sleeping and rocking her, rocking her with one arm and the book in the other um, other hand, just trying to get a few more pages. And I was just really struck by what an adult, horribly complicated situation these children were thrown into and how nuanced every character was and how high the stakes, but how unmistakably teen they were um, still grappling with those big questions. Who am I? Where am I going? What does this mean for my family? Um, You know, thinking about those first romantic feelings while trying to stay alive. 
um, which let's face it, there are a lot of teens who are actually doing that these days. So it just, it really struck me as so, um, I don't know, such an important book. It, fe- it felt like a gateway to me. And now in hindsight, it feels like a gateway to more YA opening up, you know, and I know that Harry Potter and Twilight were big gateways as well. Um, but it really, for me personally, that was when the dam broke. Um, and I started to read more young adults and uh, ultimately decided that that was something I wanted to pursue for myself. Great. Well, we just, you mentioned two books and they kind of, if we think of them as bookends, the first one, uh, Are You There, God, When You Were a Child? And then mm-hmm. Hunger Games, When You Were Having Children of Your Own. So if we kind of fill in yeah. the space between that, what kind of, what was your relationship uh, with books kind of uh, in your young adult years, maybe? Um, so I always read up. Um, there was, you know, I don't remember there being a specific young adult section when I was growing up, but I, the, I grew up in the time of Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein and all of the neon pink and neon sure, green, yeah. you know, dead cheerleaders on the cover. Um, and I read all of those. Uh, I was even in a Christopher Pike fan group online in the very early days of the internet. Um, and interestingly enough, I am still friends. Uh, with mm-hmm. someone that I met through that, um, who was also a writer. So that was pretty neat. Um, in the same vein, I read a lot of B.C. Andrews, which uh, I read making sure that my parents didn't read the words on the page while I was reading. <laughs> a lot of um, perhaps uh, taboo topics in those books, but I still love them. Um, I reread the whole series, uh, all well, all the original ones um, every once in a while, but they just, I don't know, they're so compelling and readable, even though they're completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, you know, aside from what was assigned in high school, um, I, I read a lot of horror and gothic, um, gothic novels. So I sort of shied away from classics unless it was assigned to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I've always been anti doing what other people t- tell me to do. I really loved, um, the Great Gatsby in high school. That was probably my favorite assigned to me book, um, as well as Beloved, um, which <clears throat> I remember when I was a senior in high school, the study guide was bigger than the book. Wow. And we really had to work to understand all the layers to that language. I mean, you know, what what an amazing, <clears throat> wonderful book that was. It was, you know, so that was one of the first times they really had to work very hard to understand something. But I think about that all the time and how I'm grateful for that experience. Um, when I went to college, I started reading a lot of, at the time, it, we called it chiclet. Um, I guess there's, um, I don't know, I guess maybe we'd call it women's fiction now, but I really, it's just fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've read a lot of Marion Keys and Sophie Kinsella. I was a big fan of Bridget Jones's Diary way before it really hit big. I even had a license plate for a long time <laughs> that said Bridget Jones, um, much to my husband's chagrin. <laughs> but I really, I think when I was in college, I was reading books like that about women who were a little bit older than me, who were having these funny mishaps in their adulting and romantic lives. And, 
not that I aspired to be like Bridget Jones, but I, I think I related to her as I was figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. And I really liked, um, I really liked the humor. Um, I still, I still enjoy reading, reading those. And then at what point, uh, did you sort of, uh, come upon the idea of wanting to write uh, your own stories? Um, so in my day job, I'm a high school counselor and I write every fall, um, a ton of letters of recommendation. Uh, I mean, tens of thousands of words worth of recommendation letters every year. And one year I was feeling really, really itchy to be creative. Not that you can't be creative in a, in a narrative format you can with a, with a recommendation letter, but I wanted to write something new that was just mine. And I'd always had the idea that I would write a novel one day. Um, I, such a daunting thing to write so many words of fiction. And I was afraid that I wouldn't come up with an idea. But that was the year. My daughter was two. She was a little bit more independent. Um, and I just, again, I was just having this creative itch. So I signed up for National Novel Writing Month. Um, this was 2012. And um, I had <clears throat> a little spark of an idea. And I just, I just went for it. Um, and 115,000 words later, <laughs> um, I had my first draft uh, YA contemporary. There was a secret pregnancy and there were twins and all the things that maybe nobody really wants to read about. But it was super cliche, um, but it was a great first book experience. Um, and then I immediately started another one. And that, that second book was what got me my critique partners. I found them on social media. And um, which sort of led me to the idea that I could write towards publication. And so I was learning, um, observing a lot, again, on social media about how publishing works. And yeah, never looked back after that. And when you first kind of got into writing, was it sort of a given for you, maybe just because of your interest, maybe because of your job, uh, that you would write within the category of YA? Or how did that really come about? It just, it, the voice that came out the first time I tried to write was very specifically a teenager. Um, I, I often say that I've never really left high school. Um, I spend all day with high schoolers. Um, I, you know, all my internships and grad school and things were working with kids. So um, I think, and I also think that in my head, I am just naturally 16. Um, I don't feel my age ever. <laughs> Um, and I also, I think that adults are boring. I have tried to write for adults and it just, it's like pulling teeth. So I really love those moments, uh, particularly in those high school years when you are figuring out who you want to be. And it really might be anything from what you ate for lunch that day to choosing a college, to having a fight with your parents, to, um, you know, a romantic relationship or breaking up with your best friend, um, all of those things, whether we know it at the time or not, are informing what type of adult we're going to be. So I love those moments, those turning points. Um, a, a favorite one that I deal with a lot in my day job and also in my books is when you realize that your parents are human and they come with their own baggage and that they don't always uh, know what they're doing. So I like mm -hmm. tackling that one a lot. And as a way, is that why you decide to become a guidance counselor because you are basically helping to guide young people uh, to the next phase and helping them kind of figure out what's already kind of a 
a lost time or a confusing time for many of them? Sort of, though that wasn't my first, um, the, that wasn't the first thing I thought of why I did it. I originally went to grad school for community counseling and thought that I would be a family therapist. Um, most of my internships and, and work before I got um, a full-time job was working with families of, of teens and younger children, helping them through particular problems. And it occurred to me that if a school counselor was trained in um, in those techniques, that a lot of problems might be uh, solved on a much smaller level. So um, that was initially my uh, interest in going to the school. Mm-hmm. And so if, on your writing side, uh, you're already on your, your third novel, uh, the third one being mm-hmm. No Place yep. Like Here. So let's start yep. uh, talking about that. And so tell us <clears throat> what No Place Like Here is about. So No Place Like Here um, was inspired by the classic fairy tale Hansel and Gretel. And I was taking a character that I had established in my debut, it started with Goodbye, and her name is Ashlyn, and the reader um, <clears throat> knows her as this spoiled rich girl who makes bad decisions based on uh, a boyfriend that she's seeing at the beginning of that book. Um, and so we know basically that her dad is not a nice person and that she holds grudges and that she's been sent away to boarding school as punishment um, by her dad. So. No Place Like Here opens when she is finishing her year of boarding school. She's patched things up with her friends. She really wants to come home for senior year. <clears throat> She's getting ready to ask her parents. And dad drops the bomb that she, that he's going to jail for tax evasion. Mom is going to rehab for depression. And she's going to live with her estranged aunt and uncle and also be working a summer job at a wilderness retreat center. So all of these things are kind of shattering her world and um, just it's very much a fish out of water story, um, but also one of hope, I hope, for her readers. Um, Ashlyn is someone who is not comfortable expressing herself most of the time to other people. She's very closed off, as she's sort of been taught to do by her father. And so she expresses herself through quotes. Um, she, She writes quotations. Uh, all over the place on like on the ground and on tree stumps and on uh, door frames and just sort of unexpected places um, when she needs to let something out. And this is my story written for um, the quiet girls. That's the dedication and kids who are unsure uh, if their voices have power. I wanted to show them that they do. And so this book, uh, is kind of framed as as a retelling of Hansel and Gretel. So is that really how you kind of began uh, your thinking or starting to write this book with that fairy tale? Yes. Um, so all three of my books are uh, inspired by fairy tales. Retelling is a strong word, mm-hmm. um, but the fairy tale, they all have fairy tale frameworks. So I knew... I knew that Ashlyn's story, the crux of it, was going to be issues with her father. And what better fairy tale to use than one where a father abandons his kids at the edge of the forest um, to fend for themselves. So that just, it really fit for her. There was no question that that was her story. And with uh, approaching your stories uh, by getting inspiration from fairy tales, uh, has that always has 
how it's been sort of started that you first kind of need to find uh, the reference point in a fairy tale before you can kind of understand what you want to do with the story? Or kind of where does it play in your kind of creative process? Um, so I, I can tell you the story of the first one. Um, it started with Goodbye, um, <clears throat> was the fourth book that I had ever written. And I had just come off writing something that was very dark. I mean, there was drug abuse and death and all sorts of things. And I knew I wanted to write something fluffy. Um, and so the universe saw fit to put a abandoned girl's dress shoe on the sidewalk the day after homecoming when I was walking into work. Um, and so I took that as a sign that I needed to write a Cinderella story. Um, and there's a lot of Cinderella retellings. And so I knew that I wanted to make mine modern. Um, I don't think that my mind sort of works <clears throat> with magic systems very well. And I also knew that I wanted my Cinderella to have agency. You know, if you think to the original, everything just sort of happens to Cinderella and she takes it. She doesn't really do much on her own. And so I wanted to make sure that I gave my Cinderella character um, her own decisions and that she pushed back on those rules that were um, placed upon her. So that was sort of my MO with all three in that the the story, I, I started with the characters and then the story sometimes fit around it. Um, but coming up with like that general situation, the stakes or the hook, where the fairy tale fit was the starting place and then building the character with, you know, with their agency around that, if that makes sense. And you feel uh, at this point, because this is your third book uh, in which you've utilized uh, this, this technique, I will just say, um, mm -hmm. is it sort of uh, become your style and you, and you see it that occurring uh, going forward or is it something that you may uh, leave the door open to, try a different approach? Um, so, I, you know, it, it's funny that authors have so many books that they have written that aren't published. Um, and so while I've got three published, I would say I'm definitely in the double digits for drafts that I have practiced on, we'll say. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, you know, the, I've, I've done a couple other fairy tale inspired ones. Um, I don't think that those are meant to, <laughs> to see the light of day at this point. Um, but I certainly would not rule out um, doing it again in the future. Um, you know, so that said, I, yeah, just coming up with, with ideas sort of more traditional ways um, are certainly, that's certainly the path I'm pursuing at this point, um, trying things that are new to me. Um, but yeah, but I do, I really enjoy the idea of starting with something that is known and, um, and twisting it and making it new. And when doing that, how how tied do you feel you need to be to the original fairy tale, especially when it's uh, going to be maybe marketed uh, in that way? Um, yeah. Do, do you want to keep kind of cluing in or tying back, or is it just sort of a starting point for you, and then uh, you feel like you're free to go where you need to go? I think it's kind of a mix. Um, my My editor was very much uh, let's play up the fairy tale elements. And so we always would make a list of them and then the, co you know, the corresponding elements in my book and making sure that they were recognizable if you were looking for them. Um, but there are certainly readers who have, re have read my books and said, there's not a retelling, not at all. I don't get that at all. And that's fine. 
Um, you know, I think you can read them as straight contemporaries, and that's fine too. Um, but but yes, if you if you ask me to point out all the pieces, I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wanted to make sure that if you wanted to find them, that they were there. Many times uh, when people think of authors, uh, they think of someone that's able to sort of dedicate their entire day to writing. Uh, that's obviously mm-hmm. not your uh, reality. <laughs> right. So how are you finding the time to continually uh, write stories uh, with your other uh, responsibilities? I often tell readers, uh, particularly readers in school, that my day looks just like theirs. Um, I'm in school eight hours a day, and I also have to adult and be a mom and, you know, do chores and things just like they do. So I, um, I often will, will get to work early in the morning and um, write for, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes or so before I start my day. I often will take a lunch break and write in that small amount of time. Um, I usually have some time in the afternoon before my daughter comes home when when I can get some work done, I will work after she goes to bed, um, on weekends, in between activities and things. I, I have learned to write in small 30 to 60 minute chunks, mm. um, because of the, because of the time constraints. And, and now I often find that if I have a long period of time, um, I'm not as efficient as I am in those smaller pieces of time. So, um, I also have done a lot of writing on like snow days and sure. two hour delays days to school. So I was lucky that my daughter's daycare would allow me to drop her off on time. And then I could go uh, sit at the Panera closest to my school mm. and get a lot of work done in those extra two hours. So um, it started with Goodbye, My Debut was written almost entirely on snow days and two hour delay days. Mm. And with working in school, uh, do you find just, you know, not only it, do you did you say you had a YA voice when it comes to your writing, but does it help also to be surrounded in the YA world when it comes to just uh, inspiration and just uh, the, the, the scenarios and, and making them true to life that you're, that you're living in essentially each day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, while I, I don't blatantly steal uh, things from my students, I don't think that's fair. Um, I often will consider the situations that I talk to them about a lot. Um, So I think that regardless of how old we are, the emotions and the things that we struggle with in our teen years are the same. Um, They just have different accessories. So, you know, that, that idea of figuring out what you're doing next or struggling with a teacher or um, evolving friend relationships, you know, first love, first lots of things. Um, you know, rejection and um, grappling with your parents and your place in your family and siblings there, you know, it it doesn't matter when it happened or who it happens to, the emotions generally are the same. Um, So I think taking those universal experiences and then giving them unique details um, is, you know, I benefit from being around it all day long. And it reminds me, I don't only have to draw on my own experience um, or that of my friends growing up. Uh, so a few questions sort of as we wind down now. The first one being, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Uh, I, I will say The Hunger Games again. Mm. <laughs> um, I just, I feel like they really got the vibes right. Um, 
though I would never have cast Josh Hutcherson as PETA. He's not my <laughs> PETA. That's okay. I still like him. Um, but I, I, it was one of the few that I feel like was really um, mostly true to, uh, to the way the, the books feel. Very good. Uh, second question then is, is there a book or a series of books you're willing to admit you've either <clears throat> never read or never finished? Sure. Um, so this came up recently in conversation. I have never finished uh, the Shadow and Bone series by Lee Bardugo. Um, I know that this is uh, being produced for the screen, so mm-hmm. I am excited to at some point here go back and finish. I, I read the first two, um, and I, I, I also have not read Six of Crows, um, so I feel like my time to go back and read read the Lee Bardugo books um, is coming. And finally, what is the last great book that you've read? So my daughter and I read a lot together. Um, I've really enjoyed diving into middle grade with her. She's nine. Um, And so a book that comes out in January 2020 that we both adored um, was From the Desk of Zoe Washington by Janae Marks. Um, It's about a a little girl who bakes a lot, and she's also grappling with an incarcerated parent. It's just a sweet um, but really impactful story. So um, that one I loved. Um, another one that's coming out next year uh, was Meet Me at Midnight by my dear friend Jessica Pennington. It's just a wonderful, swoony YA romance. Um, so, so delicious. Um, what else? I loved Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Um, just a, such an emotional, um, of like right now kind of read. Um, I love that she wrote it because she was responding to a lot of things happening in our world and she wanted to give everybody sort of that hopeful um, sort of, this is how we wish it was story. Um, So that one I loved. And then I also really, really loved on the come up by Angie Thomas. Um, Angie and I were in the same debut group, which was wonderful to watch her succeed right off the bat and write such important stories. And I just, I loved Bree's voice in on the come up. Um, She was just so honest. And um, I can't wait for our next one. Well, Christina, um, hope everyone will check out It Started With Goodbye, Everywhere You Want to Be, and your latest No Place Like Here. And I can't wait to see what else you have for us. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And that's the end of this episode. And I want to thank Christina June for joining me. I hope you'll check out some of her books, No Place Like Here, Everywhere You Want to Be, and It Started With Goodbye. You can find links to those books in the description, as well as a lot of the other books that we talked about. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll check out some of the other great talks I've had with YA authors. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading.